In the name of the loving, life-giving, and liberating God, who is Blessed Trinity, amen. You may be seated. Controversy over Jesus healing someone on the Sabbath is something that comes up often in the Gospels. We encounter it regularly, and since this scene is so familiar, it's easy to hear it and quickly dismiss it. We think the Pharisees or the religious leaders, or in this case, the synagogue leader, are just being too legalistic. Why wouldn't you heal a, a woman who had been suffering for 18 years, whether it was the Sabbath or not? The familiarity of the story, along with our declining appreciation of the Sabbath, gets in the way of being able to identify with those who disagree with Jesus. Because a funny thing happens when we disagree with someone. We relegate them to this flat, unreasoned space, thinking them incapable of reasoned thought. We forget that they are like us, trying to make the best decisions they can with the information that they have. The synagogue leader was not trying to be cruel. He was trying to be faithful. He, along with many other Jews, were just trying to do the best that they could. And they all had different ideas of what faithfulness looked like. Now, throughout his life, Jesus tells us that the litmus test for our actions is whether they show the love of God and the love of neighbor. He tells us that all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands, not that they're overturned by these commands, but that they hang on them. The ultimate goal is to love God and love our neighbor, and all our beliefs and rituals need to be measured against those goals. And he wasn't alone in making these, that proclamation. Other rabbis taught some of those same things. So passages like these aren't meant to make a legalistic caricature of the Jews, but are meant to help us look at where we ourselves might have gone wrong. What are the rituals and beliefs that we might hold too tightly, making us blind to the human cost of our traditions? There are many things like the Sabbath that are inherently good, but can still become stumbling blocks when we try to care for others. I had a friend in seminary who, like me, was not a cradle Episcopalian. The first time she was invited to serve at the altar as a Eucharistic minister, she reached to help pass around the chalices when it was time to serve communion. And the priest literally slapped her hand away not only was this bad theology of only allowing a priest to interact with the altar, but it was also damaging to a young volunteer who had been asked to assist and was excited to assist. She was told through that slap that she did not belong. And I don't think that's ever the message that we want to convey in trying to preserve the perceived sanctity of the ritual, 
this priest had actually done damage to the ritual itself. The priest was no longer communicating that the table of the Lord is a table where all are welcome. Now, I hope this is an extreme example, that none of you can pull up examples just like this from your experience. But if it is something that you've experienced, then I hope it's an invitation to wonder how we might avoid the same mistake. Church is a sacred space, after all. And when we interact with sacred things, we approach them with a certain kind of respect. This is not wrong, but it can become rigid. And particularly, it becomes rigid if we forget the incarnate person who began all of our ritual. Our ritual grows out of experience, and we must remember that if we want to remain vibrant, true, and welcoming. When the ritual becomes more important than the things it signifies, we've forgotten what it means to encounter Jesus. And I think this is true not only of ritual, but of our beliefs as well. When our beliefs cloud our ability to love God and love our neighbor, something has gone wrong. Because Jesus told us that these two commandments should order our whole lives. Typically, it's easier to see where we've become rigid in our rituals rather than our beliefs. But if we think over the history of Christianity, we can see places where our beliefs were clouded in the past. Often we have to use this kind of hindsight to see where we have been wrong because we're so blinded in the moment. Not so long ago in this country, a large proportion of Christians thought it was right to enslave others and used biblical text to back it up. This was not loving or in line with a God who freed the Israelites from Egypt, but it was not a minority Christian belief, and it held out for a long period of time. Another example, for most of our history, and still in some denominations, women were not allowed to follow their call into ministry either. There are biblical reasons for this prohibition as well, but when we look at it in the light of Jesus, in the light of a loving God and loving our neighbor, no one benefits from prohibiting half the population from following God's call wherever it leads them. In fact, our communities are fuller and more vibrant when the pro prohibition is gone. These are both examples of blind spots in living out the fullness of our faith, which nonetheless a majority of Christians believed for not insignificant amounts of time. Where might our own blind spots be? I find the baptismal covenant particularly useful in helping us to find these places where our belief has become clouded. One question in particular comes to mind again and again. Will you strive for justice and peace among all people, 
and respect the dignity of every human being. This question distills what it means to love our neighbor in real terms. It asks us to, to deliver justice and wholeness based on the inherent worth of each person as God's own creation, no matter who they are. So how might we have allowed money or personal piety or individualism to interrupt how we care for others, to blind us to the person in need standing before us in such a way that when she receives justice, we protest instead of rejoicing alongside of her? How might we have become so accustomed to how things are that we don't allow the gospel to speak new life to us and to those around us. Try to think this week. What's one way we might have become rigid, like the synagogue leader, trying to be faithful, but blind to the person in front of us? How can we be more generous, more loving, more open to those around us? These aren't rhetorical questions, we can become more faithful when we let the words of Jesus sink down deep and spur us into action. When we continue to care for the community around us, just as we have been doing, and when we meditate on how we can learn to be more like Jesus day after day. Jesus never minced words because God desires freedom from bondage for all people. And that requires a deep love that manifests in truth-telling and actions to bring wholeness. If we let him, Jesus will teach us how to do this. Amen. <laughs>